start to talk with uh, Anthony Kirks today. Um, and Kirk is a member of Consensus, uh, who builds on the Ethereum uh, blockchain, especially at the application there. So let's welcome Kirk.
Yeah, so, so no, let's dive into some of those for a second. So yeah, you, as you said, you're part of, Consensus was formed right at the beginning of the Ethereum network, and so uh, Consensus, the company itself, needs to start helping build that underlying protocol out a lot of that technical infrastructure like Infura. Um, and then now you're going a lot more also at the, the kind of application layer with things like prediction markets and Gnosis and things of that variety. Could you tell me a little bit more about, so, you know, from a, you guys have a various different things that you're doing in the space these days. And I like to think of it as kind of like a spectrum of, of engagement with the community. You have like, first like just the pure community engagement piece with things like meetups and what have you. And then as people start to come in, you have things like Consensus Academy, um, the ways to kind of educate developers in the space. And then after they've been, you know, join the community, we're educated and then can start and spin up some of these folks. Can you talk a little bit more about how you see the, that progression from people learning about Ethereum to then actually going and starting to build apps on the, on the platform? Sure. Um, so, when I was at the Ethereum meetup in May, I said that we had three functions, basically. Infrastructure, basically, as an introduction studio, applications, and then we had third year professional services and consulting. Um, actually, if I answer the question about consensus today, I would say we have two more. Uh, one of them is Consensus Academy, so we have a major education arm at this point. Um, at the time, we've been doing education for the last year, mostly through our professional services offerings. Now we're stuck to a fairly major, uh, a major educate the space kind of thing. You'll see a little free course content, paid courses, there'll be lots of stuff coming out. We rolled out the first class, which is going to be for developers, but you don't want to draw the conclusion that Consensus Academy is only for developers. Um, we all now have a contest going for MBAs, it's going to compete with business schools, but for lawyers uh, right around the corner. So we have a lot of education that we're rolling out. But our first class uh, that we announced, I believe, in late May or early June, <coughs> took applications, we got 500 applications, we got 1,300 around the world from 90 countries. We accepted 130, we intended originally to accept just 50, and we're paying for that education for, for these people in a lot of countries. So this is not all people like many of the people in this audience who have great opportunities. It's a lot of people in countries that don't have those kinds of opportunities. And our first class is uh, just about to graduate. We'll have a big uh, ceremony and uh, actually we're flying in for a week. Uh, all of the people who hit the high marks in our making, which has turned out to be a lot larger than anticipated. Actually flying in for a week in Dubai um, in this month. And so they are training as developers, and many of those will receive job offers to work for consensus. Many will say, hey, I work for consensus, there's this other nice opportunity in the space. Obviously, as developers, all of these were aimed at people who already were developers, but not blockchain savvy developers for the most part. And so they're getting blockchain education, and we do believe there's just a huge market huge opportunity to grow space for developers in this, in this space, and that is one of our key focus areas, but not only. And then finally, I said there were five areas, and since this category is number four. Uh, the, fourth, the fifth one, uh, we really just announced about two and a half weeks ago, making a new one, and see we announced a consensus capital. Um, we're styling that as two main functions, and there should be other things that are not yet announced. Uh, but one is a $50 million venture capital fund, which simply allows us to invest in ventures that don't directly, but they become something we fund in standard venture capital terms. And then the other is we offer token services, um, very professional token services where you want to stay on the right side of the law, not running a US-based company. We want to be there for a long time, which we do. Uh, you don't want to run on the wrong side of the law, then you might be interested in having us consult 
we actually have so much impact, uh, interest in our token services offering that we uh, actually push quite a few ways so we first can service Those are five yeah, so, and I think that one way that I like to conceptualize with that is like anything that touches the Ethereum ecosystem that consensus wants to help and empower people within that, whether it's the community side, the education side, whether it's the Ethereum Enterprise Alliance and working with various companies, or whether it is, you know, you know actually funding different spokes or things from a venture capital perspective. Um, so that, makes, that makes sense. And, and do you think, so I want to talk a little bit about one thing that you, you noted there was part of the decentralization of this space is you know, you had 1,300 applications from all over the world. Um, talk to me a little bit about the, you know, how consensus as a company runs and, um, and, and how that kind of plays into this decentralization theme that we're talking about here. He was quite committed and is, remains quite committed. We actually had a town hall meeting this morning at 6.30 a.m. with people all over the world, from, uh, from Dubai to Australia. And I had a uh, 7.30 meeting that was a town hall meeting. This morning, and uh, Joe remains committed to the idea that he really wants to build a company that has a lot of these decentralization aspects, much like the protocol and the technology and support. Having said that, we live in a very legacy world, and the legacy world isn't ready for that level of decentralization. But we do run in a model where there are no managers in our company, we're not a very, very flat organization. You can't really grow as fast as we do, so you know, there's no question there's people saying, well, do they have authority? Those six or eight people decided to hire those things come up. Um, but we really do have a very collegial kind of atmosphere. I don't manage anyone, and nobody manages me. I'm giving a lot of freedoms about how I spend my time. For most of us, it's way too much on our plate, and I, I dropped a project this week. <coughs> so many things come on. So we work in a very, very decentralized way. One is uh, entity we call Setup Hub. It spokes. We can say the hub is formed of different circles. They form up to provide services to the spokes. The spokes tend to be the uh, venture, um, the entities that might go out. We have a lot of you here for starting. So these uh, 25 to 30 at any given time entities that um, are essentially would be companies. One or two of them have one developer. Our largest one, which is even very close to going out of the market here today, is probably growing to 15 major. That would be very, very large for us. But um, those can be spokes. All of, here's the important incentive model. All of the spokes own equity in the hub. The hub owns equity in every single one of the spokes. That means a lot of things from an incentive point of view. One of the things it means is that I could be working on spoke Q. And it might be quite helpful for me to really help Spoke B when Spoke B is in trouble. Spoke B needs a little help. Because remember, Spoke B has significant equity owned by the hub. And if you know the startup game, many, many startups will be unsuccessful. Um, it might be that Spoke B happens to be the spoke that is the next Google in this space. And the fact that the hub owns a chunk of Spoke B, and my Spoke Q, which might go down the it's reality. How all spokes work? All startups work, right? Everybody knows this. <laughs> so in that case, it might be the best thing I ever did to help make sure Spoke B becomes very successful. So we think we have an incentive compatible model. Joe's committed to the idea of things being very decentralized, but that is very hard. Even down to the level of roles and titles. We, we, we talk strongly that we all have roles and not much in titles. But when I walk into Eric's office, and Eric doesn't know who I am, and he wants to know what I do. 
he really isn't interested in any silly games that work with how we work decentralized. Well, I play six roles and I kind of change what I want to do. No, it works if I just give him a title. So that was our old model. To be honest, we're finding the legacy world can't quite deal with it, so we're probably going to have a few more titles. I have a printed business card in the title. If you look me up on LinkedIn, uh, you won't find my title in any dictionary. <laughs> I use a different title in German. But it's really more about my I think that, that I, I have Googled your, your title on LinkedIn and you were, only two things showed up on Google. You and some weird German website. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> my name must be, come out of German dictionary. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, exactly. It ends with the RF at the end. Um, in any case, um, so I, as we kind of wrap up here, Kirk, I'd love to chat a little bit about, well, so, so one thing that we were going to chat about with Piper as well here, I think that you'll be able to speak to, is, yeah, is, is the, is the um, the kind of scaling side of Ethereum as well, um, and what some of the, because that's, that's a big question within the space right now, this thing that lots of people are working on, right, Freighton and Plasma, and then both at the Bitcoin side, and Lightning channels, and on the Ethereum side. How are you thinking about, how is consensus thinking about scaling, and where do you, where do you expect that to see it going in the future? You're talking about scaling the protocol, not scaling the Scaling the protocol, not scaling the okay. okay. yeah. It's, it's a big question. This is a, a complex network, and for those of you who are new, I'm sorry if this gets a little technical, but let's just say that what the protocol does is really, really amazing. But both the Bitcoin protocol and the Ethereum protocol is written, um, and in their instantiation in their nascent phase, where they are right now, is not, uh, is not capable of super high performance. The Visa network, in terms of the number of transactions that are going to be run in a second, is here, 56,000. The number of uh, transactions being done per second on the Bitcoin network or on the Ethereum network is really, really quite low. It's a small fraction of that. Um, there are the good news is that the Ethereum ecosystem has attracted a very large number of developers. There's uh, different ways we look at how many people come in, how many people download tools, how many re-download tools, renew versions, major versions of those tools come out. But it looks like somewhere around 25 to 35,000 is now conservative for the number of developers who are in the Ethereum blockchain space. As he's correctly pointed out, Ethereum is one of these blockchain spaces. Um, and the good news is there's 25 to 35,000 developers, and many of those developers, probably as many as 500 to 1,000, are working on new techniques for scaling the network. And at least correctly points out that there's a number of options, Plasma being one of them. Um, the Ethereum Foundation itself is looking at moving the consensus formation algorithm. That's how do a bunch of disparate peer-to-peer -peer network decentralized nodes come to agreement every unit of time. That's an amazing thing. We have all the talk on that. In the Bitcoin network, that's once every 10 minutes they come to agreement on the block. In the Ethereum network right now, they have about once every 14 and a half seconds. And the protocol drives them at 14 and a half seconds. They constantly um, they come to agreement. But both of those two networks, which are the two largest, use an incredible amount of electrical power with these diverse nodes in order to stay cryptographically secure, having large numbers of computers trying to solve hard cryptographic problems to assure that who wins every 15 seconds or every 10 minutes is a truly random outcome. And that's a hard thing to do, and it uses a lot of electricity. Ethereum has been committed from the beginning to move from a proof of work algorithm Stake algorithm, and that's where you say, hey, I'm a good behavior, I'm a good guy, I'm a new network, I'm a good guy. And if I exhibit any of this bad behavior, which is all fine, um, you can take all my resources that staked me and said that I was going to be a good guy. 
And so it uses a different mechanism to get to the same thing, a decentralized network that Greenhouse walks through. So the Ethereum Foundation has a fairly multi-step, multi-year process of raising the performance of the Ethereum protocol. Having said that, even when it goes up by a factor of uh, 10 or 100 or even 1,000, it really isn't where we probably need to go. So there are other networks, and excuse me, other things that will run on top of Ethereum that can take that up to maybe a million transactions per second. And there's good papers on the talks in the San Francisco Ethereum and uh, in that case, to give a model for those of you who are not technical, I would just say you can think about it as you could say the Ethereum network, let's just say, I'm pulling this out of my ear, say it, say it can only run a low number of transactions per second 10,000, 1,000, doesn't happen. You could think of the Ethereum network as a base protocol that works everywhere, and these other networks could solve lots of transactions. You buy your $3 cup of coffee at Starbucks or your room house or your beer, um, it, it gets solved and resolved on this other network. But if there's any issue over ownership, it gets moved to the next network, which can handle lower number of transactions, in this case, the Ethereum-based network, and uh, resolve those kinds of things, or contract resolution for price transaction resolution. So the point is, there's lots of approaches, lots of developers, and I have no doubt at all that this is going to scale when we can talk about the Ethereum Enterprise Alliance. A lot of good companies are now Pretty serious resources. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, well, with that, I think we got to go to the next person. But Kurt, thank you so much for coming.